0: Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Today, we are kicking off a series called Beyond the Numbers Across All Our Locations. And um, this is about seeing our finances from a heavenly perspective, not just a natural, but a supernatural take. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be speaking on these sorts of things. We're going to be talking about a kingdom perspective on our finances. We're going to be talking about stewarding our finances in a biblical way, And today, um, Pastor John said, you must, no, he didn't say this, but today I'm going to be preaching on tithing. Everyone say tithing. Tithing. You said that quite encouragingly. Uh, Some people, as I walked up today, just said, good luck, um, because (laughs) we all know that when we talk about finances, it can be quite an interesting uh, thing. And um, can I just say, if you're visiting for the first time, if you've invited someone to church for the first time today, and you are elbowing them going, what? I, I, I knew it. Why did you do this? We just want to say that normally as a church at Encompass, uh, once a year we will spend time speaking to finances. Whether that is for three or four weeks, we will always do this as a church once a year. We do not uh, pressure anyone to give here. Just so you know, there is no pressure. As you would notice, even as Jinu prayed, there was no containers going by. You give uh, out of your own heart. Giving is not compulsory, but this is what we believe, that it's good for you. We believe that it's biblical. Uh, also, to put your mind at ease, there are no pledge cards on your seats. There is no big offering coming up. And, and uh, we just want to be really upfront, really honest. Uh, this, this is not the take, but we, I gotta, we have such a privilege of being in our church at Encompass. We are debt-free. Not many churches can say that. We are debt free uh, and, and I've got to admit we are in such a strong position and it's, can we just give glory to God first? If you've ever been to a church that might have debts to pay, this is an amazing. Thing. But secondly, I just want to honour Pastor John and Lois and the Board of Directors here. They have set us up in such an incredible way. Uh, it's, 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 really, it's really quite incredible. Um, but as I mentioned, when we talk about finances and not you, maybe the church down the road or maybe the person next to you or five rows away from you, it can get a little bit, it's a bit of a challenging conversation. It can be a bit confronting. This is what it says in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 talks about you and I being free people. We are no longer slaves, but we are sons and daughters. In Galatians chapter 6, it says when you talk about challenging things, when you talk about things that might be a little bit confrontational, you know, it's just going to be a little bit, oh, what, what, how do I do it? When you talk about this thing, in Galatians 6, it says, do it in gentleness. Everyone say gentleness. <laughs> gentleness does not mean um, beating around the bush. It does not mean that we don't, like, we don't tickle everyone's ears when it comes to gentleness. Do you know what it means when it comes to gentleness? It means that we can't control you. And we won't control you. So as we speak as a church over these next few weeks into finances, this is what I, I hope you hear our heart this morning. We really don't want to control anyone. This is between you and God. Whatever you hear today, it will be from the word of God. And all we would ask you to do is take it to God. And say, God, what do you want me to do? What, with what I've heard today, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Because, listen, we believe that for, for those of us that might be tithers or might steward our, our, our finances in a biblical way, we're going, we've, we've experienced this this, and we want this for your life. So that's why we speak into it. That's why we're teaching it to you. But you're free people. You are a free agent and you do you. Is that okay? All right. So I think, that, that, but, but some of you. Definitely in Craigieburn, they're going, if it's so awkward, why talk about it then? Like, especially, no, nah, nah, not in Craig, maybe that section. No, but, we, but why? why would you, well, well, to be honest, Jesus spoke about it. Yeah. One in every four parables that he shared was about finances and possessions, whether it's money or possessions. Uh, he speaks about finances, uh, money and possessions, twice as much. Everyone say twice as much. Twice, twice, that's a lot. Like twice as much as, than heaven and hell. So if it's important to God, it should be important to us. This is what he said about money in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. The first passage for today, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other, or you'll um, despise, sorry, you'll be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The New King James Version says you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon actually refers to the king of riches, the Babylonian king of riches. So literally what Jesus is saying in this moment is you've got one option as a king. Either I will be the king of your life. And considering we're in a kingdom year, either Jesus will be king or money will be your king. Money will be how you decide to do things. We cannot serve both God and money. We will choose one. You know, um, Jesus knew that there would be, um, that money would create this tension, though. He knew. He knew. And it's kind of like Amara, Amara just turned one on Thursday, um, and, and so she's starting to want more of our attention, And you know when a little one-year-old comes to you and they're like, hey, 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 and then the three-year-old comes and goes, get out of my way, you know, anyone else got, you know, like Harley just goes like scissor kicks or, you know, just slaps like big and just goes, get out of my way. And and what happens is it's a wrestle for attention. That's actually the same tension that takes place with God and finances. God and money is that it is wrestling for our attention. It is wrestling to become number one. It is wrestling for our priority. And do you know how money does it? Money does it through stress and pressure. Money does it through lying to us. Money does it through uh, leading us in mis- uh, just misconceptions when it comes to money. Money. Money says, serve me. Yes. Money says, follow me and you'll get through. Money says, believe in me. That's a lot like God. And that's how money works. Let me tell you, though, how pressures and stress play out. This week, we're not going to name any names, but it's, it's out of four people. But on Monday, Alyssa and I, we were about to have a great day off, like The Sabbath is our Monday. We kind of hang out. We've been sick for the last month. We're like, finally, we're all better. Let's go out and have some fun. And then we walk to our car and I thought to myself, I always check the mail. We barely get mail, but I just think it's a bit of a habit. So I walk, check the mailbox. I open up the mailbox and for the first time in a very long time, there's there's a letter in the mail. This is a who knows? It could be like a treasure hunt. You just never know. Like, let's, let's open it up. It's addressed to me. I open this letter, and um, there's a lot of numbers in this letter. The words demerit points were in this letter. I know. I know. Ooh, ugh, this disgusting. Look at the dwarf. The words fine and a very large amount... Uh, oh. and, and, and in this... Man, that reaction was very good. Uh, but in this moment, like my, my, I was like going, no. And, and then I, I walked to the car. Alyssa and the kids are there. And I put it down. She's like, what is it? And I go, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. I said, Amara's been driving again. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but you kind it put such a bad spin on our day, like as in it literally didn't just change our day, it kind of started to, it began to change the decisions that we were going to make for that day, that week, that month, because all of a sudden we had this big bill come out of nowhere and, all, and it just changed through the pressure of money. I just thought to myself, how many times does, does money actually dictate our lives? Does it, does it actually lead us in life? This is, the one, uh, this is the one of many ways that money fights to be first. Everyone say first. You know, we can't ignore money. You needed money to get here today to just put petrol in that tank. You needed money today to, to feed your kids and feed your family, to eat or whatever it might be. But money shouldn't dictate how we approach life. Money should never be first. This is what it says uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We're in a kingdom uh, season and an and emphasis th- this year. And it says, seek first. Everyone say, first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. God says, seek me first. Place me first. Put me first. It matters who's first in your life. So what does it mean mean to have God first in our finances, though? What does that look like? Well, it means that we would live a generous life because God has been generous to us. It means that we'll be good stewards of our finances with biblical wisdom. It means that we will live contently and, and we're going to be grateful for what God has given us. But to put God first in our finances also means to tithe. This is what's bring bringing the first 10% of our income to God's house, to the church. The principle of the first runs through scripture. We just read before, seek first the, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Exodus chapter 13 verse 1 uh, says, The Lord said to Moses, consecrate, set aside to me every firstborn male, the first, Offspring of every womb among the Israelites belong to me. The first belongs to God. Exodus 23:19. The best of the first fruits of your ground uh, you shall bring. Everyone say bring. bring. It's really important. Bring into the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits. Of all your produce, then when you put God first, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. To tithe is to say this God, I am putting you first. To tithe is to say, I place my trust and my faith in you, and I believe that with the remaining ninety per cent, that you're gonna make a way. I believe with the remaining ninety percent you are gonna meet my needs. You know, as a, as a church, we don't just want to talk about it, but we want to model it. And, and you would have known if you were here for Vision Sunday a few weeks back that we said, as a church, we are going to be working towards our, our budgets and now steering towards and working towards tithing, giving 10% to missions as a church. So any income we get, we are going to tithe out of it. And, and we believe that the principle of the first is it's powerful, it's life changing, it's faith building. It's powerful, it's life-changing, it's faithful. And this is what the Word of God says that tithing teaches. It's Deuteronomy 14, 23. It says, bring the tithe to the designated place of worship. Wherever God's name is honored, bring the tithe there. And this is what it says. It says, doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. When you tithe, you're, you're teaching yourself. Literally, God is teaching to have all to have reverence, to have respect for God. This is It's kind of saying, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I believe you can. I don't know how you're going to make these finances work this week or this month, but God, I trust you and I'm placing my faith in you. God, would you show me? Would you reveal yourself to me in this? I believe and I trust in you. When God is first in your life, let's be really clear, it doesn't mean that there's no trials. When, when all of a sudden tithing is not the, the, the magic component to live a stress-free, pain-free life. But it means that he's gone before you and he goes with you. He goes before you. When he is first, it means he's already in front of you and, and he's going with you in it. It matters who's first. Craigie Byrne, it matters who's first. You know, when we have a spirit of first, do you know what it says? Do you know what it kind of suggests to us? is that, God, you own it all. Uh, To say I'm I'm putting God first in my life, it is to say, God, you own everything. This is what it says in Psalm 24. It says, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. Not some, but all, the world and those who dwell in it. There's this uh, story of this famous um, church leader named John Wesley. And um, he was in a meeting... And these, these, some of his staff members kind of interrupted his meeting and they said, John, uh, we're, we're so sorry to let you know, but your house has burned to the ground. John's immediate response was, that is impossible. Like, that, that, that's impossible. It could never happen. Anyway, a couple of the other team members decided, well, you know, let's just go see what's going on here and let's, let's see what happens. And they saw... The house was burnt to the ground. So they, they went back to John and they said again, John, seriously, your house, I feel like I'm talking to Pastor John at the moment, but it's not, your house is fine, your house is fine, I promise. Um, but your house is burnt to the ground. And, and immediately John Wesley said again, it's impossible, that is impossible. And then he went on to say this, he goes, do you know why it's impossible? Because I didn't own that house. God owned that house. God gave me everything in that house. It all belongs to God. He went on to say, if God didn't stop the fire, it means, that's God's problem. He went on to say that not only if he didn't stop the fire, it's God's problem. He says, but if God's burnt down, if this house is burnt down, God will provide me another place to stay. God will give me, it's all God's anyway. Listen, John lived in this house. He worked in this house he, 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 everything that he owned belonged, was in this house. His, The house was in his name, but yet he had this spirit of saying, God owns it all. We have to have this perspective. We have to have this attitude in this moment to say, God, it's all yours. It's all, everything in the earth is yours. It all belongs to you. Psalm chapter 50, verse 10 says, the cattle on a thousand hills, it is all God's. You know what? It is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth, to even work. Deuteronomy 8:18, 8, it says, but remember the Lord your God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I, listen, I do not question your work ethic. I do not question the fact that you've got an amazing job, but don't forget who created you. I know you've got a very well-paying job at the moment, and you've had a lot of experience, but it is God who gifted you with those skills and those talents to be able to do what you do. I know a lot of you have worked 60-hour weeks this week, maybe 40, maybe, who knows, even more. But guess what? It is God that gave us breath in our lungs to wake up and to work the hours. You know, when we wrestle with this idea of placing God first in our finances, we are actually wrestling this idea of ownership. We are actually trying to own something that isn't ours. Harley, a uh, three-year-old, sometimes I'll like, you know, just give her a bag of lollies. Not a bag, a plate of four lollies or five lollies. Not a bag, babe, I promise. Sometimes it's a bag. But you know what happens? It's like, it's like she forgets who gave it to her. And you know what she does? She comes back to me and she goes, oh, you can have some if you want. Like, like with a real, like, authority, like, like, you know, with, with a real confidence, she goes, oh, if, do you want some? You can have some. And I'm thinking to myself, girl, like, I just gave that to you. Like, as in, just remember where you got this from. And I think sometimes we can forget, and, and we have this attitude, oh, 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 we, we own it. No, we don't own anything. It is all God's, we are all managers of what God has given us. Ownership says, it's mine. Ooh, we sound like kids now. But management says it's all his. Management says, God, this is all yours. In the Bible, it never says give your tithe to the storehouse. It always says bring. Everyone say bring. Bring. It says bring your tithe. Why? Because you can't give something you don't own. We are bringing it back to God. He owns it all. We need to bring ourselves to this heart position of God uh, you own it all. This is, this is all yours. I would have nothing if it wasn't for you. Everyone say, He owns it all. He owns it all. Now say it like you meet it in Craigieburn and here. You, he, owns it all. he owns it all. He owns it all. I don't cook, but what I've, what I've noticed with people that do cook, my wife and everyone else, um, they use timers. Like, you know, those, those things that go ding, 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 ding. Yeah, cool. And so what happens is, is that they put a cake or they put a piece of meat somewhere and whatever, Then they, as you can see, I do, don't cook here. <laughs> and they chuck on this timer, and, and what happens is that the timer, 10 minutes, it cooks, right? And then all of a sudden, they, you take it out, and on the outside, it looks good. On the outside, we're going, this is a ready-made cake or piece of meat, whatever it could be. Let's call it a cake for now. But... The real cooks and the people that really know what they're doing, what do they do? They don't just believe the timer. They, they get a skewer. I, I initially said a fork, and I said, no, we're, we're, we're cooks, we use skewers. I go, yes, ma'am. And what happens is, what do they do? They, they cut into the cake, they cut into whatever it is with the skewer, not the fork, and they check if it's cooked where? On the inside. Something can look really cooked and well done on the outside, but can't be cooked on the inside. It may not be actually what's taking place in, uh, on, on, uh, on the inside. You see, in the same way as Christians, sometimes we can look good on the outside. We can actually really be like, oh, I go to church every week. Have you taken the records? Because I am always there. Sometimes we can even say, do you know how much I serve? And do you know how much I read the word? But let me tell you something, God does not check the outside, he checks the inside. And what, what, what we've got to understand in this moment is that we can actually be Christians and believers that say, God, you own it all. I heard it from Craigie Byrne. They're, they're really saying he owns it all. But what does God check? He checks our hearts. Yeah, yeah. So as much as we could say it from the outside, let me tell you something, it is checked on the inside. It's for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The test is not just where we say our heart is. We say our heart is, hey, he owns it all, but the reality of it is this, is that we are actually tested in the tithe. The tithe is a test. Everyone say it's a test. Everyone's like, I don't want to take a test right now. No one wants to be tested. But the tithe is a test. It is a check of our hearts. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 to 10. I'm going to read this this fully and, and then we'll just kind of go off from it. But This is what it says. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. In other words, it's saying if you, were, if you were supposed to be destroyed, you'd be destroyed by now. But anyway, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. It goes on to say, Return to me and I will return to you. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, How, how am I robbing you, God? And he responds, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe, not some of it, but bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Then he goes on to say, test Me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. Tithing is a test. It's not just a one-way test. It's a two-way test. I want to show you firstly the first test that takes place. It's a test of our trust in God. Every time you and I are paid, whether it's weekly, monthly, fortnightly, bimonthly, a test is taking place. And the question of the test is going, will you put God first? Will I choose to place God first in my life? Will I bring this back to God? And many of you might be saying right now, but, but Jace, I've heard this before, isn't it just Old Testament teaching? You know what I mean? Like, we just read a whole bunch of Old Testament verses earlier on. Just because it's the Old Testament does not make it wrong today. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't know about Craigie Byrne, but I'm pretty sure you still shouldn't murder. Like, right? <laughs> like, that was supposed to be a joke. They, they didn't, really didn't fly here over here. Uh, but thou should not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. They are still true principles today. Am I right? Yeah. As in, and so, in the end, when it comes to it, as much as tithing, you might go, Well, putting God first, isn't that just an old law? Just because it was under the law doesn't make it wrong now. Even Jesus, though, spoke about tithing. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. And as much as you want to pick and choose what he's showing as priority, in the end, he is still saying, You should tithe. He says straight out, you should tithe. This is what it says. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, you are, for you are careful to tithe on the tiniest income. You are pedantic about the tithe, but you ignore justice and, love, and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. No matter how you read it, grammatically, contextually, whatever it might be, in, Jesus is saying here, you should tithe. It's good for you to tithe, but tithing isn't the main thing. Yeah. That's what he's saying. He's, he's going, you should, tithing will not get you saved. Yeah. Keeping rules will not get you saved. You are saved. We are saved by grace, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. But tithing is good for us. Yeah. Tithing is as you and I are being discipled. Tithing grows us from the inside out. It helps us even resist the enemy's desire to control us. Because think about it, every time we tithe, we're saying, money, you are not the boss of me. God, you are first. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust in you. It's a principle that we can apply today that will fill us with awe. It will fill us with the reverence of God. But when you look at, when you look at um, the, the number 10 in the Bible, it always, a lot of the time it represents tests. Whenever you see 10, for example, commandments in the Old Testament, how many were there? There were 10. How many plagues were there in Egypt? There were 10 plagues. There, trust me, there are no trick questions and answers here. How many times was, did God test Israel in the wilderness? It was 10 times. Jacob's wages were changed 10 times. Daniel was tested for how many days? 10 days, these ants tithing always represents, 10% always represents a test, but it's not a test of finance. It's a test of our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. God is not going, show me your budget. He's saying, she's saying, I want to see your heart here. I want to see your heart. The test isn't just bringing the tithe, but the way we check our hearts is that the order is important. That's what we talked about first at the start of this the order of how we tithe shows shows our hearts this is about this is talking about the preeminence of God. the preeminence of God is actually not just talking about like as in God being sovereign and good, he's saying he can never be second. the preeminence of God is saying God, you can only be first God can never come second this and, and I know this is a bit of like but he can never come, se- he can only come first. And I know things come up. I know one-year-olds take your car out and get your speeding tickets. Let's be, you know, like, as an I know that a big surprise party or a big trip or an emergency takes place. But the thing is, God should never come second. And when we say, God, I am putting you first, you own it all. It's saying, God does not want 10% of your money. I just say, he doesn't need 10% either. He actually doesn't. He does not need your money. But what God says is that, I want you to put me first in your life. He's saying, would you put me first? Would you place me above everything else? I'm going to read Genesis chapter four, verses three to five. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And when it was time for harvest... This is what it says. Cain presented some of his. Everyone say some of his, some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift: the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's gift, but did not accept Cain's gift. You might be going, but I. What's, what's the problem here? He, he gave some off, but it wasn't first. Let me tell you something. God does not want some off your heart. He just wants the first. He wants the, to be first in your life. He wants to be first in your heart. Not only does do, is tithing a test for us, but literally God says in Malachi, test me in this. I'm going to invite the worship team up, and, and we're going to close real soon. But literally, God says, test me in this. The second test is, is a test of God and his promises and commitment to us. It's a test of God and his promises and commitment to us. His commitment to us is that he will pour out a blessing from heaven, blessings from heaven, that we will experience and see kingdom blessings. You won't have room to contain it. And it won't just be, in, it's not just a financial thing but he will bless us in every sphere of our life, in every area of our life, whether it be your career, family, or relationships. This is what God's saying. Test me and this, and see if I won't come through. For so you put me first, and watch me go. And, and, and I know some of you are sitting here and going, you know what, I might be a little bit convinced. I, I, I might even give this a go, but, but right now, Jason, I've got 10 letters with the fines... I've got interest rates coming out of my ear. Like, you know, like every, that, that's another letter. It's a terrible letter. Each time it increases, it's like, put it in writing. Stop it. Uh, but but uh, I've got all this cost of living just growing. And, and you're going, right now you're saying, I can't afford to tithe. And I think many of the tithers in this room, if you ever spoke to them, you know what they would say to you? You can never afford to tithe till you just start tithing. I know it sounds strange, but something supernatural takes place. Something, and and you might go, I can't afford, and it's like, you'll never, it's like kind of saying this, you can never trust someone till you actually trust someone. You can never put God to the test until you actually trust him, until you actually say, God, I am putting you first in my life. This is where, through the tithe, is where we'll be able to grow in our awe in our reverence, in our fear, in our respect for God. I'm going to sum this all up real soon. But um, this, the next, as we close, I just want to talk about the why. Why do I tithe? Why could you or, or, or should you tithe? This is what it says. We read this passage of Scripture in Exodus 13.1. We're going to read it again. And I want to show you the next part shortly. But I I don't know. For some reason, the Holy Spirit really touches my heart as I read this. And, and this is the first part. It says, The Lord said to Moses, consecrate, set aside to me every firstborn male, the first of your offspring, of every womb among the Israelites, belongs to me, whether human or animal. In, in this moment, God again is saying, put me first. Put me first. Place me first in your life. Now watch this. In in verse in verse 14, Exodus 13. This is what it says. Well, maybe not yet. It says in the future. Everyone say in the future. In the future, your children will ask, Why did you do this? Your children will ask, Why did do you? Do this? What does all this mean? Why are you sacrificing? Why are you putting God first in your life? And you will be able to answer them this that the Lord used his great power to save us from Egypt. We were slaves. We were lost. But he led us out and brought us here. In other words, what God is saying here is that when someone asks you why, why would you give this money to the church? Why would you put God first in your life? In other words, the answer is, well, I was once a slave, but God set me free. And and the Holy Spirit began to show me this image of, I I, I definitely think it's gonna be Harley. Amara, she won't, Harley's a sticky beak. And I can imagine her one day going through our mobile app for banking. And she's going to see these transactions at one stage of her life. And I know Harley. She'll be going, Daddy, what are you doing? Like, why? I've noticed this reoccurring payment. Like, what? why do you do this each and every time? Daddy, is this a mistake? Like, Like, are you sure, like, you've got everything right here? Like, as in, why... Do you place God first? Why are you giving to the church? Why is it happening? Are you okay? And in that moment, I'll be able to sit her down and I'll be able to not only teach her the principle of the first, the principle of tithing, but I'll be able to share with her in this moment that I was once a lost young man. I was once a broken i'm still but god continues to heal me i was once lost so far away but god extended grace upon grace upon grace and upon grace over my life and he saved me he chose me he... and i'll be able to say that whatever you see, the house, a car, the clothes you have, whatever it may be, it's all his. And that is why we put him first. That is why I put him first in my life. Would you bow your heads here and in Craigie Burn this morning if you're at home? right now across the rooms that we're speaking into this morning. Maybe you feel lost this morning. Maybe you've walked in spiritually empty, broken. Maybe you're not sure what your next step looks like. And I know we've been talking about money this morning, but the principle of the first is not about finances and money. It's actually about God in our lives. It applies to our whole life. And I'm not sure how you came in here this morning, but the fact is, is that maybe you've had other things that are first in your life. Maybe your relationship has trumped everything else. Maybe your friendship groups, your needs, your career, you fill in the blank, but you've put something else first. In your life. And today, I want to say if you place God first in your life, it will be the best step you could ever take. Accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior is the best thing you could ever do to make your life right with Him. And there's no hoops to jump through, there's no things to do except confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that He is Lord and Savior that he died on the cross for your sins, that he extended grace to us all. He saved us, he rose again so that you and I could have eternal life, so that we could be saved by him. So with all the privacy that you need this morning, here in Bandura, in Craigieburn, or if you're watching online today, if you wanna say, God, I wanna put you first in my life, I wanna get the order right in my life. I wanna accept you as my Lord and Savior. I am returning to you today. If that is you this morning, would you just lift your hand boldly and we're gonna pray together this morning. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anyone else in this room? Come on, don't hesitate this morning. Yep, I see that hand. Anyone else? Such a beautiful decision to make this morning. God, I am putting you first. In Craigieburn, I'm believing hands are going out. As one family this morning, could we pray together? And would you repeat after me and say, Lord, this day, I invite you into my heart. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and you rose again so that I could have eternal life. Today, I put you first. Today, I trust in you and I choose to walk with you for the rest of my life. In your name we pray, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for the people in this room and believing in Craigie Burn this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer, or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.